Hello and welcome to another edition of The Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, as always, Alex, and with me today I have Dan. Hey, how are you? Yes, not too bad, not too bad. We had a week off last week. Uh, City didn't have a game because of the FA Cup, and Valentine's Day and, and other sorts of commitments last week meant that we uh, we thought we'd postpone it until this week, um, where we could sort of delay for as long as possible some discussion about two pretty disappointing results that essentially spell the end of our push for the playoffs. Um, the first, the 2-0 loss to Derby two Saturdays ago, and then the midweek loss, well, midweek draw, I should say, to Rotherham, although it did feel like a loss, given how it panned out. Um, we'll start with that Derby game, and I guess this wasn't a hugely surprising result, I've got to be honest. Um, we sort of talked in the lead-up to it that we don't have a great record against Derby, both in the league and in cups in recent years. Um, and apart from a, a decent chance for Grzycki early in the game, we really didn't look too too uh, too sharp in the game and, and went down 2-0. Um, I guess, how, how do you how do you sort of take a loss like that? Is it sort of a concern that we've out, now had two back-to-back performances against Derby, against Blackburn, which were pretty... Um, I guess, not too encouraging as a way performance. It's not very attacking. Um, no goals scored in those two games. H- how do you um, view the Derby game in that sort of context? Um, look, I think it really was... Like, it kind of was a season-defining game at, at the, with the point of the season that we're at. Um, if we'd been able to... Like, even a point would have... Um, put us in a hugely different position but um to lose um i guess as you mentioned not not unsurprising although we both i think expected a better performance from us um i think it was very it's it was hugely damaging to uh the momentum that we had um uh although it sort of had already been um damage with the ending of our 10 game um, unbeaten run but I think yeah it's it it probably it I think that match had a lot more significance than than many people probably would see or would like would consider um it's yeah it um it did it sort of was or the way I see it and the way I think a lot of people now are seeing it that game sort of was the that the nail the nail in the coffin that you were mentioning sort of that in terms of any chance of making the playoffs it's it's a slim slim hope i think we were just talking about off off air that even if we were to go on another 10 game unbeaten run the teams above us now because the gap is so large would only need to win two or three games in that 10 game stretch to still maintain their position above us on the table and with only 14 games to play you know it, it's fine margins i i can't see I think it, that that was the game that sort of signaled the end of the playoff chase. Um, but I think now, I think Mark Pugh came out and said um, that basically we need to forget about that, forget about the second half of the Rotherham game and just get back to basics and get back to just focus on finishing as high as we can. Um, I mean, when you consider the season as a whole, like to if we can finish in the top half of the table still, I mean, anywhere we finish now is going to be a successful season compared to what we were expecting coming into the year. So, um, and I think that's it. I think that's what, how we've got to look at it is I think we've been a bit spoiled with that great run of form over the new year where we sort of started to raise our hopes, raise our sights up the table. But realistically coming into this season, it was all about staying up and 
we, you know, barring an absolute catastrophe, I don't even think mathematically we could go down from this point. So we've got to be happy with that. Canada's a, a successful season and, and just try and aim to finish top half of the table because at the end of the day, that would be a hugely successful season and really exceed expectations. Um, and, and yeah, try not to try not to be too upset that we haven't, re- you know, to, to finish in the top six, that'd be like a, a Watford supporter being disappointed that they're not going to finish top four in the Premier League. You know, like they're having a great season. They're top eight, I think, in the Premier League at the moment. But you can't sort of be disappointed then that you're not going that one step further. And I think for us, you know, finishing top half would be a fantastic um, result for the season. Yeah, and it's, I mean, especially when you consider like, like not only the playing roster, but the whole context that has surrounded our our club for the last few years and you consider how you know we've we've talked many many times about the off-field issues and that but when you consider all that and you look at this the the whole picture it's an incredible achievement to I mean to have gone 10 games unbeaten in this season like that's good in, in itself but to have got ourselves into a position where like we were it was probably a bit of a fantasy regardless, but to get into a position where like the idea that we were within reach of the playoffs come the end of the season, that's, that's just insane to think of. And I think the only thing I think like now that that sort of distraction um, is gone, um, maybe now the club can sort of get down to business and say, okay, which players, because we've got plenty of players coming off contract with Adkins isn't even, recontracted for next season yet like now is a good opportunity for them to say okay well we sort of know where we're going to be next year we know what we're working with now let's get down to business start sorting out what squad we're going to have for next season um and try and just try and finish the season as strongly as you can on the field but you know consolidate off the field yeah and we'll talk a little bit after the um after the discussion about rotherham we can talk about um those players who are out of contract this summer um but yeah it's a great point that now that we've sort of um i guess we know where we'll be next season we know we're not going to get relegated we know we're pretty unlikely to get promoted um it is just about finishing the season as strongly as we can and and see how we can go from there um but we can talk about the rotherham game as well um which i suppose is the more disappointing of the two in one sense in in the fact that we looked so comfortable in that first half, opened the scoring within the first minute uh, from Jared Bowen. Um, and, and really, it looked like another one of those sorts of performances as we'd put in against, say, Bolton um, earlier in the season, where we just went on and completely tore them apart. Um, to be 2-0 up at half time and then to draw 2-2 was really sort of dispiriting and um, sort of underlines the mentality of the club the last couple of weeks last month and it's much more as it was at the start of the season where we just couldn't hold a lead that we had in a game um a little bit concerning that marshall's form is sort of dipping as well but that might be more to do with the um the defensive players in front of him not too sure um but i guess the positive out of the game in terms of statistics was that bowen and campbell became our first combination since 2011 2012 with fried and corin to to each get to double figures for goals which um, I remember when uh, Corrin and Fright did it, it was sort of this big achievement because for so long we hadn't had um, two strong attacking players who were able to notch double figures. And in fact, before that, the last time was uh, Dino and Campbell back in the promotion season of 07-08. So kind of 
funny to see Campbell bookending that statistic in a little bit, but um, great from those two. And I think I, I'm pretty sure that make, makes it 30 goals now in the championship for Bowen, um, which is at his age and his experience level quite remarkable. Yeah, um, if, yeah, that Rotherham game. Um, the yeah, like you said, going up two 0 early, um, we look like we look comfortable, um, and I think we had tipped it that we were gonna just sort of, that should a game that we should have cruised through and should have you know put a few past them, and it looked like it was gonna go that way, and then don't know, not sure what happened. They when they came out in the second half, it was just a completely different game. Um, so I think. We're probably starting to see um, how influential Burke and Device had become. We knew, like, we obviously knew that they were in form, but um, it sort of at times has looked like we've been maybe able to just hold on a little bit without them, and that sort of started to curtail um, those la- with those last those last couple of games. But um, I think the news is that they're back full time, full training, and. Burke is, I think, definitely um, being considered for a start um, in on the weekend. Um, I think Device maybe still not quite there, but I think from what I've been reading and hearing that they're both just about fit again. Um, I think you know it was good to see you know Ridgewell. We we finally got a, another se- a senior centre back, um, and I, from what I understand, he had. Um, you know, it was a bit of a mixed bag, but I think it was for everyone. But I mean, it's his first probably full ninety minutes in what, six, eight months or something. It's been a few. It's been a little while. Um, so since whenever he last played for Portland Timbers, I suppose. Um, so I mean, it's good to see he's in the fold um, and he played okay. But um, It'll be interesting to see how he fits in with um, Device and Burke coming back. Yeah, I uh, guess it's good to have it's good to have a bit of senior depth if nothing else. And I think at this stage it's quite clear that Device and Burke are going to be our sort of uh, number one um, centre back partnership. So yeah, I guess the sooner that Device can get back, the better. Yeah. Um. In terms of Marshall's form, I think. Uh, I mean. It's hard. I haven't. I didn't get to watch a lot of the the game, so I I can't um, speak too uh, deeply on this. But I think somewhat like a goalkeeper's form is always sort of inherently tied to the form of their defenders. Um, you know, like if you're it, like you know, it's um, that uh, man. The more shots you. Um, have to try and save, you know, the eventually one's going to go in sort of um, thing. I could, it's got a term, right? it's just escaped my mind right now. But anyway, um, so I think, look, I think overall um, I'm probably not too worried about Marshall. I think he's played so well um, basically for the majority of the season and like he hasn't let in four goals, you know, three, four goals in a game. It's, um, it's just, it's a little, little patch that has coincided with having even less experienced defenders than our already inexperienced backline had, um, in front of him. So I'm probably not too worried about Marshall, but I think in the coming weeks when we get, um, that our first choice, um, pairing back, that'll really be the true, um, a true indication of whether his form is dipping. 
uh, yeah, Bowen and Campbell um, reaching double figures each is awesome. Um, I mean, I wonder what's Grisicki on at the moment. Is he five or six or something? Uh, I think he's something like that. I'll have a, I'll look that up. Yeah, it would just be it'd be interesting to see, you know, if he, I mean, fourteen games to go, could he? It's a if he got a goal every three games, sort of thing, to get to have every like one on our front line to reach double figures, that would be something. That that'd be uh, that'd be something in itself, and it's probably not unachievable. Um, but yeah, yeah I be, think he must be on something like that. Um, yeah. uh, looks like he looks like he might have five goals with seven assists so far this season. So I mean, even if he could get to ten assists this yeah. season and you know seven or eight goals, that would be pretty good. Yeah, I think um, I think they've. I mean, they've. We sort of already knew like they've been the the shining lights essentially for um, in a lot of regard with our with our team. So it's not probably probably it's not surprising. Um, but yeah, Bowen, it's it's been good. He took was a bit slow to get started um, this season, and there was I guess there were there were those questions over whether he was going to be, you know, last last season's one season wonder that he was going to had that um, great season last year, and whether everyone would have figured him out this year. But um, he's done enough. He's adapted to um, what's been put in front of him, and he's performed um, as well as probably better than he did last year um, or last season. So that's been, yeah, that's been great to see, um, you know, long may it continue, long may he continue in the black and amber, uh, <laughs> all of those sorts of things. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the off season one way or the other, but Bowen in particular, I mean, we've sort of, um, ridden our luck a little bit in recent seasons where our entire transfer budget has come from one or two players being sold for a decent fee. Um, and whether Bowen is, is, you know, that sort of golden goose this summer remains to be seen. But I guess that's a good point to sort of transition to the discussion about these players out of contract in the summer, because um, there is, yet again, quite a large group of them. Um, <clears throat> the obvious ones being Kane, Martin and Pugh, whose loans end, although I suspect two of those three will look to get on free transfers. Um, and then there's Evandro, Henriksen, Kane, Marshall, Mazouk, Weir... Campbell, Mannion, Burton, Curry, and Ridgewell, all out of contract in the summer. Um, and of those, I think Evandro, Keane, Weir are 100% gone. I think Henriksen is likely to go. I, I think I remember saying something about him wanting to go back to Norway to raise his kid. Um, and the club would probably be pretty keen to get his wages off the book anyway. I think Marshall's pretty much gone as well. I think, much like McGregor, it's a case of just too expensive to have him on the on the books um, as a keeper and we'll be looking to have Long as our number one next season. Um, I think Mazouk's pretty much gone. I think he's too injury prone to really offer too much in, in the way of um, defensive reinforcement. I don't think we can rely on him. Ridgewell, I, I don't know whether he was just sort of a short-term reinforcement, whether we'd look to sign him on another deal. If he plays, you know, half a dozen games, perhaps he'll look good enough to to earn himself a new one-year contract. I'm not sure. I think Campbell will definitely get another year. I don't know if there's an option for that already or whether we'd offer him another year or two as a contract. And then Mannion, Burden, Curry. I don't know with Mannion and Burden whether we'd maybe re-sign one of the two, whether we'd want both of them. I'm not sure how we see the goalkeeper situation in that sense. Curry, I could definitely see a new deal for as well. He looks like a good developing centre-back and I'm, I'm sure the club would sort of view it as another potential 
you know, um, under-23s player who could break into the senior team and, de- you know, develop into a really good player who we could then sell for a decent fee. So I think, I, I think um, those players' contracts sort of speak for themselves, but I don't know. Uh, did you have any other thoughts on those? Um, not really. I think um, basically the talk's been, um, in terms of, like, Marshall and Henriksen has been, you know, maybe we can start having a conversation and see if they would re-sign with a reduced wage. But like, as you're saying, like they're on, they're they're on Premier League contracts. Like you're not going to be talking about dropping, you know, from 20 to 18,000 pounds a week or something. It's going to be a significant drop and whether they're willing to make that sacrifice um, remains to be seen. I agree with you in that sense that it's probably unlikely. Um, you know, Henriksen had. I think he he did say something about that he wanted to. I think finish his. Um, he was going to sign. Wanted one one more contract, and then he wanted to. I think head home and and um play in his homeland and raise his family at home. But you know, I think he had interest from uh, was it Bordeaux, um in uh, the window, one of the French a French yeah, club I, I believe. So. Yeah. Um, you know, interest from there. Uh, Marshall in. If you look at the form of from uh, over the whole season, I would be surprised if he wasn't able to find a club um, that will pay him more than we are willing um, to. I mean, I would I'd be surprised if they didn't at least get a contract offer from us. Um, that would be at the very least yeah, I, I, that I would I consider. Wonder, but I wonder if it'll be sort of a token. You know, here's a yeah. two-year deal at. Three thousand pounds a week, sort of thing, and oh well, we we offered them a contract, but they've rejected it, sort of thing. Yeah, um, much similar to I believe what happened with Huddleston and some yeah. of those others. Um, we sort of offered something, and and I think even Huddleston recently, I think came out and said again, like if I think it might have even been in the lead up to the match that he said if they he said they offered me like something, and I you know all they had if they had come back and and been willing to work with it he said i would have been more than happy to stay at the club but they just sort of yeah put something out there and that was it or it was it was that or nothing and yeah. it's not a real it's not a very I, I mean i don't run a football club but i don't think it's the best like a good way to try and negotiate contracts is you know this or oh, nothing yeah so. we've been saying for years that um and i remember doing an episode with i think it was either yourself or mitch last year or the year before looking at what we needed to do in terms of the contract situation and the fact that we always seem to have these large groups of players coming out of contract. Because even looking ahead to the following season, we've got Grzycki going out of contract, Stewart, Dicko, Irvine, Kingsley, Terrell, Bowen, McDonald, Lehigh, Batty, McKenzie. And that's a much more important group where you would think that surely at least a handful of those would be looking to surely reach out to and offer either contract extensions or new new two to three year deals, particularly guys like Bowen, Irvine, um, maybe Batty as well, who are sort of those younger guys who could actually attract a pretty decent fee if they can kind of keep developing the way they are, where you'd want to tie them down to a longer deal so that if we do get a fee, it's actually a sizable fee. Yeah, I think it's um, it's going to be interesting to see. I think like I think some of the guys you mentioned, like Weir, um, Mazouk, uh, Evandro as well, for basically just for their injury record um, will go uh, Keane just never showed enough for us I mean apparently he's uh, he's got two in seven for um, yeah. Ipswich yeah. so far um, and they're already t- sort of saying um, basically like 
they want to try and keep him around, um, sign him when, uh, at the end of the season when he's available for the free. So, um, I mean, good luck to him. I'm glad um, that he's having some success. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that it was it never worked out with us. But, um, yeah, and I think it, with the young keepers, with Mannion and Burton, um, I mean, neither of them are first team players at this stage. So, I mean, I, I don't know what their contracts are worth, but surely... It's not. It wouldn't be that hard just to re-sign them on, you know, what they're on now, and just do do again. You know, whichever one performs the best in preseason or performs the best at training gets to be the backup keeper, and the other one just goes on out on loan and is the, you know, emergency recall if something goes wrong or whatever. But yeah, I, I think you're right with in terms of like Long being next year's first choice. I mean, I think that was sort of that was that was something that was obviously thought out. But we got yeah. a he's not old he's not young he has experience you know i think he's only 24 25 or something um he's got experience in the championship he's um he like he came there to fight for to be you know number one keeper so um when marshall moves on as is all but inevitable um he'll step into that void and um he'll be fine um I don't know. Yeah, Dan Batty, Adam Curry, those sorts of guys. I think um, should be absolutely re-signed. And then, yeah, it just becomes that. It's just like a bloody broken record. We're always just saying like we need to fix, like sort these contracts out so that we don't have all this um, these huge lumps of players all off contract at once. And I, it just it's just it's just weird weird management like the way that they. They, they do it all and but and they do it all the, the time they're spending more on transfer fees and then yeah. signing new players to a decent deal anyway so i just don't understand not re-signing these players to either similar wages or slight improvements and i'm sure it would end up being a saving over over the long term yeah and i than paying these transfer fees and i think for me like the saddest part about it is like a lot of these players that have left um were, would probably st- would still be playing first team for us, um, are quality players, and most of them leave and they say, you know, I would have been happy to stay. And yeah. I think that's the worst thing. Like, you know, Bar, uh, Tom Ince, and a few others that sort of said, I'm getting out, I'm ready, to, I'm, you know, this club's not good enough for me or whatever. Um, but, you know, if you look at the last couple of seasons and all the players that have left, I would say probably, you know, 60, 70% of them would say I would have been happy to have re-signed and, and still been at, at City. So I think for me that's the saddest part. Um, yeah. But I guess that it sort of is what it is and it's probably – I mean, it's probably the same with most clubs, to be honest, that um, I don't think in such great numbers as it happens here, but I think there's always going to be players who leave who would have liked to, to – um, who would have been happy to stay, but – yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we'll move on now and, and sort of wrap things up by looking ahead to a double header next week. We've got Brentford on the weekend and then Millwall during the week. Um, I guess at this stage of the season, we sort of touched on when we were talking about the Derby and the Rotherham games, it's all about just finishing as high as we can in the table. Um, I think the Brentford game will pose us more challenges. They're, they're on a decent run of form with three, ones, three wins in five, um, but did just get smashed by Swansea in the FA Cup. 
They're only four points behind us as well, so it's uh, it's going to be a tough one there. And with the added sort of drama of Odebajo coming back to the KCOM, if we want to speak about players who might not necessarily have wanted to leave, but you know, sort of felt unwelcome or un- unwanted at the club. Um, and then we try. Then I think we also host Millwall uh, midweek, so it's a double header at home. Um, and they're 20th in the table with no wins in their last five games and haven't even scored in their last three games. Um, so I guess in a similar sort of fashion to the Derby and the Rotherham doubleheader, we've got one game with a team, you know, sort of around us on the table and then one te- game against a team quite low on the table. You know, sort of hopeful that we'd be able to get four points out of these two. Yeah, I mean, when I was just looking at them and you were talking, like four points was the sort of figure that came into my head as I'd be... You know, if you take a point from Brentford, um, that's probably that's pr- pretty good. They don't get any closer, um, you know. Uh, and, yeah, I think Millwall becomes a game that we, much like we said about Rotherham, a game that we should be winning. I think a lot of it probably will depend on, you know, uh, whether Device and Burke are um, available for, you know, both or one of or... Um, whatever happens with those returning players, um, I think at this stage their um, their inclusion will be a huge boost. If I knew that they were both going to be available for the game against Brentford, I might even be look saying you know I'd expect three points from from it and be greedy. But um, just yeah, it's just hard to see hard to hard to call um, without knowing exactly where they're at. But I think with them in with those two in the team we're going to be much stronger. Um, so, I yeah, I think probably like I could see probably like, I mean, like a one-all or something like that just for, against Brentford. Um, nothing too wild, but um, yeah, I don't know about Millwall. They, it sort of scares me. It, like it shouldn't. But then like I look at the Rotherham game and what happened and, and I'm sort of like, you know, I pro- like I'm probably like I can only I think I'm only going to tip like like only like a one nil against Millwall like and it'd probably be a lot tighter than it probably should be. Yeah, I, I think it'll be I'm hoping for four points out of this. I think it could be two points. I think a draw against Brentford and then maybe a draw against uh, Millwall. But uh, I, I just I, I think surely we should be beating Millwall. But then again, I, I do look at that Rotherham game and think we should have beaten them. Um, I guess just hopeful that we can bounce back and having two games at home really should give us a bit of a boost. Um, maybe a maybe a one one draw with Brentford and maybe a two nil or a one nil win against Millwall if I was being extra hopeful for the four points. Um, I guess I guess at this stage it'll just be good to get a couple of players back on the park. So Device and Burke down back would be good to see. Um, sort of just yeah, you know, good form from the players if we could see a couple of goals from Bowen and, and Grzycki. I mean that's sort of the main thing, but it's sort of a weird situation. We haven't had too many seasons lately where um we've sort of had our fate sealed so early in the season. Normally we're either fighting against relegation or fighting for promotion until at least sort of the last month. Um, but now it seems pretty clear already that we're we're kind of just going to finish in that mid-table nothingness. So it's a bit of a bit of an odd feeling. But you know, I guess it's just about finishing the season as strongly as we can heading into next season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not much we can do really. Um, I think sort of we sort of t- touched on it before that I think sort of both ways promotion and relegation are just about like mathematically out of reach for us. So. Yeah. 
it's it's probably a nice relief to not have any extra pressure. They, um, I mean, for me, <laughs> they probably would have liked liked the pressure of being, um, you know, close enough to still chase um, promotion, but or playoffs. But um, yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think yeah, it's, and, and like we said before, overall, it's a good, it's a good, it's a successful season. If we like wherever we finish now, you know, we were looking at considering the squad and considering everything that was going on, we were talking about relegation as an almost certainty. Um, so to be mid table, upper mid table, yeah. who, who can really, who can really complain? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a good note to finish on. So thank you for joining me tonight, Dan. No worries. And thank you everyone for listening in until this time next week. Come on city. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black.